here's what happens in reality in the real world. Um, <clears throat> the journey, the process requires an initial leap of faith. Yeah. Because the development of emotional intelligence is an experiential process, it's not an intellectual process, yeah. meaning you can't develop emotional intelligence by having a conversation or reading a book or watching a video. Yeah. It always requires an initial leap of faith because mm -hmm. you can only connect the dots in hindsight after you've taken the leap. Um, and that leap of faith is usually initially driven by fear by an urgent desire for better results than they're currently getting. But as they continue along the journey, as they start to do the work required and start to get better results, the results and the awareness they're creating about what's going on in them and around them fuels the motivation to continue the journey. Welcome, beautiful people, to the Living and Leading with Emotional Intelligence podcast by Emotional Intelligence Magazine. Emotional Intelligence Magazine is a one-stop resource for anyone looking to learn more about emotional intelligence. In addition to articles, videos, and recommended books to help you develop and expand your EI, Emotional Intelligence Magazine offers a platform for EI coaches and specialists so they can connect with individuals who are ready to take their life or business to the next level. Learn more by visiting ei-magazine.com. That's ei-magazine.com. Or follow us on Instagram at the underscore ei underscore magazine. You can find these links and more in today's show notes. Hi, my name is Deb Porter, and I'll be your guest host today. And I'm super excited that today we get to speak with Phil Johnson, founder of the Master of Business Leadership. Phil has been in business for the past 21 years as an executive coach, helping executives and organizations to bet on themselves by developing their emotional intelligence. EQ is 400% more powerful than IQ. MBL members live around the globe, including US, Canada, EK, Europe, Japan, Germany, Bosnia, Africa, Australia, the Middle East, and Saudi Arabia. So excited to have you with me, Phil. Yay! Thanks, Deb. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Oh, thank you so much. It's actually Brittany's show. I won't <laughs> I, I won't type it from her just yet. <laughs> it's I'm a super... pleasure to be talking with you. There, there we go. Love it. I love it. I love it. Just so we get everybody on the same page from the get-go, Phil, um, why don't we talk about what emotional intelligence is and how it developed? My guess is most of our listeners already have a sense of that, but let's just start there so we all have a common language to begin. Sure. Emotional intelligence is the ability to feel the fear and anxiety that gets triggered in us when we move out of our comfort zone and move through it towards what it is we're trying to achieve as opposed to allowing that fear to keep us trapped in our comfort zones. So that's a very simple explanation for a very complex process. It is. I love it, though, because that fear tends to stop so many of us. Can you talk about how emotional intelligence is developed? Yeah, it's developed by learning to lower our walls and move out of our comfort zone, lowering our walls of resistance, judgment, and attachment outcome, 
as we do the, what I refer to as emotional labor of moving through the, the discomfort that change creates in us. The first step in the process is we have to have a strong emotional connection to a desired result that's greater than the fear that's going to get triggered in us when we leave our comfort zone to move towards that result. If it isn't, then we won't be willing to do the emotional labor that achieving that desired result requires. So very simply, our desire for better results has to be greater than our fear. And having that emotional connection is different than having an intellectual connection. We, we may want better results than we're current, currently getting intellectually, mm-hmm. but if we don't have that emotional connection to the achievement of that desired result, we won't be willing to do the work required, have the ability, we won't have the motivation to move through the fear that's standing in our way. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love desire has got to be greater than the fear. That was so profound. And that's, in fact, what prompted me to to want to have this conversation with you on the podcast, because I just think that when people really sit with that for a while um, and start to think about their own life, that's profound. Like what in your life is has you stuck and afraid yeah. so that you're not ready to to move on? So mm-hmm. here's the here's the thing, Deb. Yeah. Um, almost everybody wants better results than they're currently getting. But if you don't have that emotional source of motivation, you won't be willing to do the work that getting those results requires. Mm-hmm. And most people don't have that level of motivation. So what they do instead, if they're unwilling to change themselves, The only other alternative they have is to try and use position-based power to change everybody else, to try and use position-based power to control and manipulate others to get them to change. And quite frankly, that's the way we've been behaving for a very, very, very long time. As a matter of fact, I had a conversation with a venture capitalist yesterday, and he reminded me that M&A mergers and acquisition ventures fail about 80% of the time. So Mm -hmm. you might say the key to success of merger or change process is emotional intelligence. Absolutely. The the emotional intelligence that helps people to move forward uh, really does create success without a doubt, without a doubt. Yeah, it creates career success. It creates individual or personal success, Mm -hmm. and it creates corporate success. As a matter of fact, I've been proving over the last 21 years, I've helped organizations generate over a billion and a half dollars in revenue and advance people advancing their careers. But um, I've been proving that there's an underlying energy physics to all of this that makes the results of moving through this process as predictable and quantifiable as any physical science. So in other words, the willingness to do the emotional labor Mm -hmm. that the development of emotional intelligence requires will guarantee career, personal, and corporate success. 
Those are strong words, Phil. I like it. Guarantee. Who wouldn't want that desire to kick in if it's guaranteed? I can give you an example of a company that's currently over $1 trillion revenue. Mm -hmm. And their primary hiring focus is in the search for people with higher levels of emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. That company is Apple. That's why when you walk into an Apple store, that energy you feel is an example of a more emotionally intelligent environment. They're not trying to sell you anything. They want you to have a great experience. They're trying to understand your pain and, if possible, offer a solution to your pain. Whether you buy anything or not is secondary. They want you to have a great experience, and maybe you'll tell your friends, and they'll tell their friends. Mm -hmm. um, and if you think about it, if you that, that energy you feel in one of their stores is a very different energy than the stores around them. It's a much more engaging energy where you feel much more at ease. More and more companies are developing hiring and promoting largely based on emotional intelligence. In many respects, the development of emotional intelligence represents the future of organizational development. It absolutely does. This is kind of where what your work is and what my work is, where we dovetail, because uh, my focus is on listening. And in order to really be a good listener, you have to have empathy, which is really important in emotional intelligence. So can I jump in here, please? In order to be a good listener, you have to listen with your walls down. Mm -hmm. You have to listen without resistance, judgment or attachment outcome. Right. That requires us to lower our walls. And that's also how we develop our emotional intelligence. I think that for the most part, if we think about uh, our experience growing up, very few of us were ever taught how to listen. That We weren't taught emotional necessarily. Many of us were not. Many of us did not come from that background. And so if you don't know what you don't know, how, how do you get there? And and that's exactly where, where you started with that desire. You have to have the desire to then develop and grow the skill. But this is why the, this conversation is so important, I think, because we didn't uh, learn this in school. We all we all are coming at this a whole bunch of, all across America, all, all around the world. We're coming Tam, at this. Tam, I think you're I think you're being too kind. I think <laughs> you're being too kind. OK. Our educational system has failed us. And our employment system has failed us. They failed to give us the skills that we need to embrace the world we live in. We're living in a, a world where change is accelerating at an exponential rate. And we've got a 500 million year old brain that doesn't like change. Um, so the development of our emotional intelligence is a critical part of our, our evolution that's missing. Our educational system and our employment system has focused on our ability to do intellectual labor, and they've done little or nothing to develop our emotional intelligence. The ability to, to, to do intellectual labor is largely genetic. If you have a high IQ, your parents had a high IQ, their parents had a high IQ, and you inherited those genes. So not everybody can have 160 IQ, but everybody can develop their emotional intelligence. Everybody. And yes. the multiplier effect on results in developing emotional intelligence, as you mentioned, 
is at least 400% more valuable than intellectual intelligence. And that comes from a UC Berkeley study done over 40 years. And actually, I think that is low. I think that the development of emotional intelligence is far greater than that. The value is far greater than, uh, than intellectual intelligence. Let me give you a bit of a numerical example to kind of put this in a little bit of a perspective. Um, think of our ability to do intellectual labor as somebody giving you $10,000 a day for 31 days. So at the end of 31 days, you've got $310,000. Think of your ability to do the emotional labor that the development of, of emotional intelligence requires as a penny that doubles in value every day for 31 days. So day one, you've got a penny. Day two, you've got two pennies. Day three, you've got four pennies. Day 31, you've got $10.7 million. Day 40, you've got over $5 billion. And day 50, you've got over $5 trillion. It doesn't take any more effort to go from day 30 to day 31 than it did to go from day one to day two. Right. So at the beginning of the journey, in the beginning of the process, it looks like you're doing a lot of work for a little. And you are because you don't know what you don't know. But later on, as you continue the journey, you start to get results that increase exponentially with the same amount of effort. So the value of the development of our emotional intelligence far exceeds the value of our intellectual intelligence. And the other piece of good news is that anybody can develop emotional intelligence. It is not easy, right. um, but anybody can do it. Yes. As long as they have the desire, as you spoke at the beginning of the show, I 100% agree with you. That really is the key. As people are, are going to do that, what do you see as the three main challenges of developing that emotional intelligence? So huh. Somebody's got the desire, somebody's ready to go. Yeah. And then, and then, and then what? Great question. Thanks for asking it. There's two primary sources of biological resistance we have to change and one source of sociological resistance. Let me explain. So the first one, there's a part of our old lizard brain called the amygdala. It's been around for 500 million years. That's been trying to keep us safe and alive by making sure we never leave the security of our cave mm -hmm. or our comfort zone. And if we do, if we take an action that moves us outside of our comfort zone, that triggers our amygdala to automatically secrete a hormone called cortisol into our bloodstream. And that cortisol causes the executive center uh, to shut off in our brain. And we go into what psychologists refer to as, a, as an amygdala hijack. Mm -hmm. We go into fight, flight, or freeze mode. Mm -hmm. And we often say and do things we later regret. Uh, some people lash out, some people run away, some people freeze like a deer in the headlights. Yes. And when that happens in conflict situations, people often die. And when it happens in business or personal situations, relationships die, we burn trust. Yes. So as an analogy, if you think of your amygdala as a very frightened four-year-old child, the development of our emotional intelligence acts like a big brother or a big sister to quiet the amygdala response down and better enable us to feel the fear and anxiety that's always triggered in us when we move outside of our comfort zone and move through it 
towards what it is we're trying to achieve, as opposed to allowing that fear and anxiety to stop us from moving out of our comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So that's number one. The second one, the second biological source of resistance is our existing habits. Once we develop a habit, it's there forever. It's a neural network pathway that we create in our brain. Um, And although we can develop new habits at any age, it's called brain plasticity or neurogenesis. We can, those new habits will always be weaker than our old habits because there's an insulation layer that goes around the neural network pathway called myelin that's thicker when we're younger than when we're older. So there's going to be an ongoing battle for dominance internally between our old habits and new habits. And when we raise our walls, it becomes that much easier for us to slip back into our old habit patterns. Mm -hmm. The third source of resistance to change is sociological, meaning the people around us don't want us to change. Because if we change and start to get better results, maybe they're going to have to change, and that scares the hell out of them. (laughs) And the best way to ensure they don't have to change is to make sure we fail. So they can say, look, I told you so, now get get back into the herd with the rest of us and keep your head down. So even though the development of our emotional intelligence always produces better results, there is significant both biological and sociological resistance we have to change. And if we don't have a strong reason, if we don't have a strong emotional attachment to a desired result that motivates us, we won't be willing to do the work that the development of our emotional intelligence requires. And by the way, in this process, um, you not only develop your emotional intelligence, you raise your level of consciousness about what's going on inside and around you, and you become a more inspirational leader that people want to follow. And you get remarkable results. See, we're only conscious about... <laughs> That's why you can guarantee it because it it does do that exactly. Yeah. And the reason people don't, the reason everybody on the planet isn't developing their emotional intelligence is a they don't know how important it is. They don't understand the value and importance and the need. B they don't have that level of motivation to do the work that it requires. Is there a C? I don't know. Anyways, there was something else I was going to say. It slipped my mind. That's okay. If it's all right with you, I wanted to go back to that, uh, the third piece where you're talking about people around you resisting, uh, res- uh-huh. resisting the change that you are trying to achieve. Uh-huh. Um, I did a lot of study of uh, Dr. Harriet Lerner's work. Are you familiar with her? The Dance of Anger, mm-hmm. The Dance of Intimacy, her books. She's no. She exactly, in all of, in all of her books, um, which is older work, but I believe still really relevant because it's exactly what you're talking about, right? It says, as soon as you start to make a change and develop, uh, practice that muscle, you're trying to create that new neural pathway. If you don't have the desire when you get those change back messages, you, you have to be really, really strong in that, right? To, to develop and make that new pathway something that will be strong enough to endure. And that absolutely does take desire. It's why I absolutely love that you started with that today because with that desire, people can actually um, withstand the change back messages and, and Here, create Here's what happens. Here's what happens in reality in the real world. Um, <clears throat> the journey, the process requires an initial leap of faith. Mm -hmm. 
Because the development of emotional intelligence is an experiential process, it's not an intellectual process, meaning you can't develop emotional intelligence by having a conversation or reading a book or watching a video. It always requires an initial leap of faith because Mm -hmm. you can only connect the dots in hindsight after you've taken the leap. Um, And that leap of faith is usually initially driven by fear by an urgent desire for better results than they're currently getting. But as they continue along the journey, as they start to do the work required and start to get better results, the results and the awareness they're creating about what's going on in them and around them fuels the motivation to continue the journey. Can we bring it to a personal level and and give an example? Because I do think that that uh, your your life your life provided that right to get to get you where you are. Can you give a personal example? And if you can't if you can't think of one right now, I'll jump in. But I, I'd love sure. To what do you What do you want to know? I was born with dyslexia, and we my parents were born around the turn of the twentieth century. Went as far as grade eight in school. And I failed grade three and I failed grade five and was labeled a slow learner. Back back when I was born, there was no such thing as dyslexia, ADD, or ADHD. Right. Um, you were just labeled a slow learner. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually didn't realize I had dyslexia until about 35 years ago. I'm 68 now. But I, in January of 1968, after the death of my mother, I... Um, decided I wanted to do this work. That's 54 years ago. And I became an A student throughout the rest of grade school and high school and uh, university. Got a BCom, most of an MBA, studied electrical engineering, spent 20 years in the semiconductor industry, became very successful, traveling 60,000 miles a year throughout North America and the Pacific Rim. So I developed a strong emotional connection to a desired result to see what was on the other side of the hill and come back and help my friends that had already given up on life. And that motivation has fueled me for the last 54 years. And it's the reason I developed the Master of Business Leadership Program. It's the reason I do what I do today. I've been doing for the last 21 years. So without that, actually, without being born with dyslexia, without having the gift, because my brain doesn't work the way most people's brains work, mm-hmm. uh, it forced me to do a lot of, it It kicked me out of my comfort zone. I got yanked out of my comfort zone. Um, I had to move through a lot of fear and anxiety and what I call doing emotional labor Mm-hmm. that taught me things about myself and other people. But if I hadn't had the good fortune of being born with dyslexia, I can almost guarantee that I wouldn't be doing the work I'm doing today. It's that hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I work with people. I work with executives and organizations all over the world. And the only prerequisite for working with me is you've got to have an urgent desire for better results. Mm-hmm. Because without, it's like without that, you won't mm-hmm. have the motivation to do the work required. Yeah. It's like that urge, that that emotional connection to a desired result 
is the fuel for the journey, like putting gas in your in your car. Mm-hmm. Um, without that, you're not going anywhere. Absolutely. I, you you drew my mind back to the very first uh, appointment I ever had um, with a therapist that made a huge difference in my life. And the very first thing she said to me is, Deb, do you want to work? <laughs> and it was such a beautiful question. And uh, looking, you know, this was um, 30 years ago. So looking back on it now, I was like, wow, that that particular question is everything. It's everything. Do you want to do the work? Yeah. I ask the same question in a slightly different way. I ask people, the first question I ask people is, what do you want? Mm-hmm. See, when somebody tells you what they want, they're also telling you what they don't have. Right. And the bigger the gap between where they are versus where they want to be, the more motivated they are to look for a solution to close that gap. Mm-hmm. Without that motivation, change is impossible. Utterly impossible. It's, yes. I have no idea how long we've been talking, so I think I'm the one that's supposed to be keeping. I think it's been about I think it's been about three weeks, but I'm not sure. <laughs> oh come on, I'm not that difficult to talk oh, to. Oh sure you are. Come on, <laughs> don't underestimate yourself. Before we move on, I would love to share with you. I'm Deb Porter here, and uh, I'm the owner of Hold Hearing Out Life Drama, a confidential listening service for the drama in your life, not the trauma. We quite simply listen without advice. Feel lighter and unload with hold. You can find our website at www.hearingoutlifedrama.com. Now back to the show. You mentioned the UC Berkeley study, 400% more powerful, 400%. That's, That's so incredible. The power of that in a business, in a life. The power of that with your children, the power of that um, in your workplace. It's huge. It's just huge. Yep. So let's take it a step further. If that's true, if the development of emotional intelligence has been proven, UC Berkeley's proven it, I've proven it. I've proven it. If if the development of emotional intelligence, you've proven it, guarantees success guarantees career success, guarantees personal success, guarantees corporate success. Why isn't everybody on the planet, why isn't every company developing their emotional intelligence? Because of fear, right? Correct. Because of fear. Fear. What what will happen if I do this? We're only conscious about three to 5% of the time. The rest of the time we're being our, be, our behavior and our results are being dictated by our unconscious habits that we've developed. Mm-hmm. But our habits that are getting us our current results are also standing in the way of our getting better results. Mm-hmm. We cannot get better results with our current habits. If we want better results than we're currently getting, we have to develop better habits And in order to develop develop better habits, we have to move outside of our comfort zone. And that triggers that fear and anxiety. In in terms of that, I hear practice, right? In order to develop the new habit, you have to practice it. So it takes knowing what it is that you want to practice. And and first that develops with awareness, right? First first there's awareness and, and it comes after. So you're trying to develop it and you're like, Oh, I did that again. And so you miss it because you're trying to do something different, but then you, you miss it at the beginning. And then uh, eventually 
at least this is what happened in my life. Eventually I started to catch it as it was happening and I go, Oh wait, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't what I mean to do. And then eventually you can start to develop that new habit. But in order to really do that, it takes that intentionality. It takes a decision to practice and to be aware. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. It has to be, has to become a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. There's no magic here. There's no quick fix. No. This whole everything we're talking about here has to be incorporated into our daily lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, let me tell you a cute story. It's a true story. Actually, I'll tell you two stories okay. about the power our habits have over us. Many years ago, probably 30 or 40 years ago now, um, a group of scientists were paid five, well, paid a lot of money to go into the Arizona desert and study the sand wasp. Now, the sand wasp is an insect that lives in the desert floor. I don't know why, but that's, for some reason, they they felt a need to, to study these creatures. So they noticed that, so the sand wasp has a burrow that it digs in the desert floor, and that's where it lives. Uh, and every once in a while, it would leave its burrow and go out and look for food. and Luckily, every once in a while, it would find some food, and it would bring it back, and it would put the food outside of its burrow, and then it would go in and check and make sure that there were no predators that had gone in there while it was away. Mm. And if there were no predators, it would come back out, get the food, bring it in, eat it. Interesting. So after a while, when the sand wasp was going in and checking for predators after it found some food, the scientists would kind of sneak up and take the food away. And the sand wasp would come out of its burrow and go, you know, where's my food, right? right. And be pissed or whatever. Yeah, um, it would be. Mm-hmm. And it would, it would, you know, go fly, fly, fly around, find some more food eventually, come back and put it outside its burrow and go and check for predators. And the scientists would move, steal the food away again. And that happened over and over again until the sand wasp died of starvation. Mm. literally died of starvation. Mm. See, that sand wasp had a habit that was so hardwired into it, it would rather die than change. Mm -hmm. So here's another story. A group of, uh, I can't remember how many people that had just gone through major surgery, heart surgery or something like that. Their their doctor said, you know, congratulations. The the surgery was a success. Uh, But you need to make a radical change in your lifestyle or you're going to, be right back in here. Mm-hmm. And every single one of those patients in the study were thankful that they had survived and they they committed to changing their lifestyle. So they kind of did a longitudinal study and mm-hmm. you know follow them around a little bit. The result was that less than 10% survived. The rest died because they went back right back to their old lifestyle that got them in the hospital in the first place. Mm. So, see, that's the difference. They wanted to change. You could have hooked them up to a polygraph, and when they committed to change, they would have been telling the truth. Yes. But they committed intellectually. Yes. Not emotionally. Mm-hmm. They didn't realize the power that their habits had over their actions, their behavior. Yeah. That's why... Um, New Year's Eve resolutions don't work Mm -hmm. because it's an intellectual commitment, not an emotional commitment. And so 
the fitness gyms fill up in January, and by the end of March they're gone because they don't they don't have the emotional commitment required for change to occur. And it's the same thing regarding our emotional intelligence. And that's why the doctor you went to um, said, you know, are you willing to work? Yep. And that's why I said, mm-hmm. what do you want? Right. Because that's the cost of success. Mm-hmm. The willingness to do the work day in and day out, week in and week out, month in and month out, year in and year out. Choosing not to be the fan wasp. Absolutely, yes. It's a powerful it's, story. It's me. interesting. <laughs> I often ask my MBL clients as they're going through the MBL process, they're, they're going through it and they're getting remarkable results and they're saying, God, I can't believe I didn't know this. You know, I mean, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I say, yeah, I know. I Thank you. I know that. But <laughs> let, me, let me ask you something. Is there anything I could have said to you in the beginning before you started this journey that could have prepared you for what you know now? And everybody I ask that to always says, no, there's nothing you could have told me mm-hmm. that could have helped me to understand the value and importance of the development of my emotional intelligence. See, that's the difference between knowing something intellectually and knowing something experientially. You can only connect the dots after you've started to do the work. It always requires an initial leap of faith. So if you're standing on the sidelines trying to figure out how all this works, you'll never get started because you can't. I wish you could. I wish there were some magic words um, that that we could say that would motivate people to take the leap and start developing their emotional intelligence, but there isn't. The only thing I, I have about that is it does get better. If you take the leap, it does get better. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it does. It, but but I agree, completely agree with you. If you don't know that and you're standing where you are, it's really hard to, to do that. Absolutely. Yeah, you're you're right. The the motivate. So initially, it's kind of like pushing a rope. But as people start getting better and better results, they want more and more. Mm-hmm. So their motivation to continue the process increases with their with their results. Right. Um, they, they, they can see they, they're more conscious uh, of the choices they're making. They can see the results of those choices. And they recognize that by doing the work, they're guaranteeing their success. I mean, there are organizations I've been working with for over 13 years because the ROI never ends. The ROI keeps getting greater and greater and greater and greater. Just like that penny example, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I get it. Phil, this has been a delightful conversation. I think we're probably to the end of our time. I am so grateful you agreed to come on and chat with me today. Thank you to our listeners. And uh, if there's any encouragement that we can give, um, it would be keep going and and remember the sand wasp. That's that's what I would say. You, Phil, anything else? Yeah, my my final line that I usually end up with uh, in these discussions is to encourage people to bet on themselves Mm. by developing their emotional intelligence. Right. I love it. All right. 
I can't wait to talk to you again, Phil. I, I hope that uh, we can have uh, more and deeper conversations. I absolutely, it's, it's a delight to talk to you always. Thank you so much. My thanks pleasure. for being here. All right. And thank you to our listeners today. We hope that you found value. Have a great day.